how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Michael Talich got his start on NBA Inside Stuff, but additional credits include Real Sports with Brian Gumble, 30 for 30, The Once Brothers episode, The Drive, Pac-12 Football, and now the documentary, Q-Ball. With the help of Golden State Warrior Kevin Durant as producer, Michael and his crew were able to move forward with the documentary on a prison basketball team which consisted of teammates and inmates at the Q, as well as their journeys of redemption. In this interview, Michael discusses how he got the permission to film in San Quentin, how sports can bring people together, the work it takes to build rehab programs, and what criteria he looks for when creating a sports documentary. This is your first time listening. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and also check out our new YouTube series, Creative Principles, where we dissect films, television, and more. I grew up outside of Boston and just was always a huge sports fan. I played sports growing up. Basketball is my, my favorite, probably the sport I was best at. Um, and... Um, I eventually, uh, after I graduated from college, I got a job uh, with the NBA. I got a job at NBA Entertainment as a production assistant and uh, worked there for about four years, worked on the show, NBA Inside Stuff. You may have remembered it um, and really learned about producing and editing. And then I went uh, to USC Film School for graduate school and uh, made a lot of films and wrote scripts and all kinds of stuff. And then um, I started my own production company. And really, um, most of the projects I did were sports-related. I, I did uh, uh, really stuff for every sports league you can imagine. Um, again, worked for the NBA quite a bit. I did a ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, which was called Once Brothers, that was uh, successful and worked for HBO Real Sports. Uh, but eventually, uh, I, my family and I, we moved out to the Bay Area, and that's where I learned about um, the sports programs at San Quentin and the San Quentin Warriors. Um, I had driven by uh, San Quentin Prison many times um, uh, over the Richmond Bridge from the East Bay to Marin County and always wondered about what life was like in there for the men and who lived there and all that type of stuff. And uh, then I learned about the basketball team there and how the Golden State Warriors franchise is involved. And uh, I knew that there was some a deeper story to tell, and that's kind of how it started. When you're kind of looking back at your career and the, and the stories you choose to pursue, is there like a certain criteria you look for when you're kind of unraveling a sports story? 
I mean, I think the biggest thing is, well, the two biggest things is that it's got a sports, the sports aspect is just kind of the vehicle in, um, and the movie has to be way about, you know, the themes and, and the topics have to be go way beyond the, the field of the play or the court. You know, it has to be about basic, um, you know, basic themes of brotherhood or sacrifice or, um, you know, themes that anyone, sports fans and non-sports fans, can connect to. Um, and I think the other thing for me is there has to be an emotional aspect to the film. It can't just be a dry, uh, you know, type of subject. There has to be human, real human emotions that can be brought out through the telling of the story. So those are kind of really two things that I, I really look for. So where did you kind of start with Cuba? Like, how do you, you know, go about getting the, the rights and the permissions to kind of film in the prison and things like that? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, Filming in a prison is really difficult um, just to get started and just the logistics as well. But uh, a friend of mine in San Francisco had a production company, and he had gone into San Quentin maybe in like 2014 and, and shot a, uh, a short feature, I believe, for the New York Times uh, back then. And he was telling me a little bit about the sports programs there. And the piece he did was well received by the prison. And so there was a level, there was already a level of trust a little bit there with, with, you know, with the officials. So my friend and I, we went in, we met with uh, the prison officials. We talked about what we were looking to do and they let us go in, excuse me, this is about 2016. They let us go in, watch some of the games, meet the players. And then, we filmed, we shot about two or three days in the prison. We put together like a sizzle reel or, a, you know, like a trailer. And then we put together a treatment with that. And from that, we were able to um, ultimately get Fox Sports interested as part of their uh, new documentary series called Magnify, which they started just a couple years ago. And um, then uh, through Fox, we were able to get those pitch materials to Kevin Durant, uh, who had started getting involved in, in film and TV production. And Kevin Durant just happened to have gone into San Quentin with the Warriors when he first joined the team. And so he was moved by that visit. And then when he saw our project, he was like, I want to be involved in this. This is, this is a topic that uh, um, is important to me, and uh, I'd love to be involved. And then once Kevin got involved, you know, doors really started to open, and uh, we were off and running. But it but it did, again, it took time to build trust, you know, with the inmates and the team and uh, allowing them to, to let us into their lives and to tell their stories. What was your kind of initial pitch like with uh, to get into the prison? I know you had that connection, but I mean, I imagine you're talking about redemption and positivity and things like that. What was that first conversation like? Yeah, well, I mean, St. Quentin is really, um, you know, People think of San Quentin as this, you know, notorious, infamous, you know, prison with Charles Manson and Sirhan Sirhan and all these, you know, notorious criminals that have been there. And that's obviously very true. And, and Death Row is, is there. You know, uh, you know, any any California uh, convict that's sentenced to death goes to San Quentin. But the other part of San Quentin, the general population, is the majority of, of inmates there. And for those men... 
San Quentin is really committed to rehabilitation. There are, there's probably 80 different programs in San Quentin. Most of them run by volunteers uh, that are helping these guys get their lives together from emotional counseling, psychological counseling, job training, um, educational services, uh, and sports. And so that's what we were really trying to tell. We were trying to tell a story of redemption, of hope, of men who uh, have admitted to their crimes, have shown remorse, and who are committed to changing and becoming better men than they were when they came into prison. Were there any surprise benefits? I mean, obviously there's some you know, teamwork and camaraderie and just a nonviolent activity uh, kind of thing, but what were some of the surprises maybe you saw on the court or through this program? Well, there's a few. I think the biggest is really just, you know, the, the, the way the league runs is outside teams. So, you know, civilian teams, free men, uh, many of them associated with uh, church groups or community service groups, come into the prison every Saturday to play against the inmates. Um, and so one of the biggest benefits is seeing uh, groups of men who are probably would never cross paths out on the street or in real life, um, coming together uh, through the game of basketball and seeing themselves as equals, as human beings, not as, you know, free man and convict or as doctor and lawyer and as, you know, murderer. Um, so seeing how sport can, can bring people together to be, have common ground. And, you know, it was interesting. One of the inmates says, you know what, the guys that come in here really care. And if you see someone really cares about you, you might start caring about yourself a little bit. Um, so I thought that was, you know, that was really well said. Are they learning from this program to kind of spread this into other prisons or what's kind of the, maybe the next steps of something like this? Yeah. I mean, I think St. Quentin is, um, the, the, the sports programs and even all the other programs that they have, uh, I think other prisons, you know, we, when we were there, there were other prison officials from other prisons coming to St. Quentin to observe. Uh, what they're doing at San Quentin, uh, the, the rehabilitative programs that they uh, have implemented. And so I think it's a, a great example of what can be done. I mean, it takes a lot of work, and the vast majority of these programs are volunteer-run. They're not uh, being paid for by tax dollars. So, you know, it takes a lot of effort, um, but it is showing, uh, it's showing a lot of promise. And the officials at Quinn, San Quentin say that the guys – that go through these programs and commit to them, um, they don't see a lot of these guys coming back into the system. Uh, so I don't know the exact numbers, but these are programs that are teaching some basic skill sets of accountability, um, trust, teamwork, uh, respect for authority, you know, some basic ideas that some of these inmates never really had been exposed to, uh, but they're, um, lessons that you need to learn if you're going to make it uh, on the outside, get a job, keep a job, and all those type of things. For maybe uh, young people who see the movie or learn from this experience, do you see, um, is there any other research being done on this that might help with maybe the psychology of, of younger kids, you know, choosing sports over gangs or something like that that might lead them to more trouble areas? Are they using this information 
um, to kind of prevent some people going to prison? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know for sure. I mean, that's one of the goals, one of my goals of the film, for young people to see this uh, and to see that, you know, you can get involved in um, activities that are, that are much more positive, uh, where you can have fun, uh, where you can learn accountability, where you can learn some of those basic lessons. I mean, if you watch the film, you'll see a lot of the, the guys that ended up in prison, they, they grew up in some circumstances that you can understand why they were led to gangs um, or, you know, uh, crime. And so I feel like if a lot of those guys were, were, were able to be involved in um, programs uh, like this or sports or to have a coach or to have someone that cared about them that looked out for them, they may have not ended up going down that road. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's probably been pretty well documented that being involved in, in athletics and um, not only just getting yourself off the street and staying out of trouble and kind of that idea of, uh, you know, uh, idle hands do the devil's work, you know, um, I think that it's unquestionably, it's not, look, it's not a guarantee that a kid's not going to get in trouble, but it's a lot better than having a kid hanging out on the streets or on the corner or uh, joining a gang. Um, it's not an easy thing to do, but if, 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 if the kid has the strength to commit to that and to turn it, turn the cheek against some of those, uh, those other influences um, in their neighborhoods, it's, it's going to be a positive thing. So with this film, um, obviously you've done lots of interviews, but you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, they're going to be judged the rest of their lives for this possibly one mistake or their one worst action. When you're in the room, how did you kind of, you know, get those conversations going and, and talk about these really vulnerable situations? Do you have any kind of advice for getting those questions out and, and finding something they're getting their story told? Yeah, well, like anything, I think you have to, um, a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they've been through a lot. They've probably been, um, you know, trust is, is a, is a tough thing for them. So, you know, you have to just, as a documentary filmmaker, whatever project you're doing, you really have to be able to speak to people honestly, to spend time with them, uh, and to build that trust, um, to allow them to be vulnerable and, and talk about, uh, their past. Uh, and in this case, what, what led them to, to prison. Um, fortunately for me, uh, a lot of the guys that we talked to, they've, they've been in prison for a while. They've done some of the self-help groups. They've, they've, they've talked about these type of things, what led them to prison already. So talking to me, it wasn't the first time they had to face that. So that was helpful. These guys had done a lot of work already. Uh, but still, it does take time. Um, to look a person in an eye, in the eye and uh, express, um, you know, what you're looking for. But for the most part, these guys were um, very open to telling their stories because I feel like they realized, too, that if they're honest, um, that's the best way for, for, for this film to have impact. And they all want to – the guys that we interviewed in the film, they, they don't want kids to end up in prison like they did. They want to be um, – uh, uh, you know, um, I don't know if it's like a role model, not a role model, but they want to be like their stories to be an example 
um, of what can happen and uh, kind of cautionary tales. Um, they don't want kids to end up with the same fate. So I feel like um, them being honest and true was the best way uh, to get that message across. You've given some great advice already, but for those people that are listening, they want to be a, a documentary filmmaker or pursue their first project. You mentioned kind of doing a teaser to show people to kind of get the permission. Of them. What, other, what other advice might you have, though, for someone who really wants to maybe make their first short or their first documentary? Yeah, well, it's it's tricky. I would say, you know, first of all, you have to be making documentary films, whether it's a short or a feature. It takes a lot of work um, and a lot of sacrifice. So you first have to be 100% committed to what it takes and to the hard work that's going to be involved. Um and so you also have to be extremely passionate. You can't be like, oh, I think I think people would like this. Like, you have to love the subject matter, uh, the characters, and the story that you want to tell because it's not going to be easy. And then you have to be willing to spend the time, like we just said, to establish a good relationship with the subjects of your film, to do the research, if, if it's a historical story, to really get your facts straight, Um and then be willing also to put your money where your mouth is. You're probably going to have to spend a little bit of money uh, and a lot of time to develop the project, to put together uh, a treatment or a pitch deck with description, synopsis, uh, photos. Um, and if you can put together a trailer, it doesn't have to be long. You know, it could be three minutes um, that shows the potential. Um, those are, you know, those are the pieces that you're going to need um, to really sell it. Um, so I, get, I think those would be some of my basic, uh, basic advice. So I've spoken to some other filmmakers and producers and, and they've done like, uh, uh, stories on Muhammad Ali or, uh, Elvis, things that were, people kind of have a, a basic understanding of, of certain points. When you go into something where the majority of people are kind of blind on your subject, where do you kind of start? Do you have a storyboard or do you just do as much footage and kind of, you know, unravel it as you go forward? Yeah, well, like in this case, so we knew there was a basketball team and we knew that it, the basketball helped these guys um, turn their lives around. That's really all we knew. Um, so we really had to spend time early on interviewing a big cross-section. Um, it wasn't like we just, okay, these are our three or four guys. Like I interviewed probably – a dozen guys on the team um, to really, you know, just figure out who they were, what their stories were. And um, from that, uh, we were able to start to put together almost like a cast, if you will, of, of, of whose stories had the most resonance. I mean, when you're in prison, everybody has a story. You literally could do probably do a documentary on each and every guy in there just because of uh, their lives or there's so much drama and conflict and, and things they had to, to deal with. Um, but uh, we were able to, to, from those initial interviews and then for, through the first, you know, couple of months of filming, able to realize kind of whose stories were the strongest, um, whose stories had the, the most arc, um, which you always want in a film. You know, uh, you want your story to go through a process, a journey. Um, and then that allowed us to start to focus what we were going to shoot and who we were going to shoot with. And uh, then it kind of came to piece. It kind of came together. But a lot of it happens in the, in the edit room. Um, it's not like a scripted film. Uh, a lot of it you have to you have to um, 
paint a really broad canvas and 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 a wide net, and then slowly over time focus it, uh, and even more so in the edit room. Uh, I mean, we I don't even know how many hundreds of hours we shot. The first rough cut of the film was over three hours. Um, so that just goes to show you that a lot of the storytelling and shaping does happen um, in the edit room. So it could be more like less of a eureka moment talking to someone and more of like a, looking for threads and all the footage. Is that kind of how you see this film or some of your films? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but you can have those eureka moments. I mean, you can, during the filming, something you never even thought of could happen or you could hear a story that you didn't know about. And that those are great. Those discoveries are great. And they're often going to uh, make you change. Um, I mean, you have to go into a documentary with a thesis, with an idea of what you want to tell, but you have to be flexible to uh, adjust um, because you, things are not going to go exactly as you had planned. Some things are going to, you thought were going to be great, fall apart and don't happen, but then usually equally other things do happen that spark the story and uh, make it oftentimes even more interesting than you originally had thought. Well, that's great. Uh, it sounds kind of like a hypothesis and experiment kind of viewpoint of it. Is there anything else you want to say just in, uh, in closing, anything else about the film we kind of missed? No, I mean, ultimately this is really a story about uh, a group of men who are trying to salvage their lives be- before it's too late. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a hopeful film. It's a positive film, but it's, uh, it, it's not one that shies away from, uh, the realities of these guys' lives. And, um, other than that, I just love for people to know that it's, uh, it's going to be premiering on Fox sports one FS one on May 28th at nine o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock Pacific time. Thank you for tuning into the show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.